John 2, when we talked about how Jesus turned the water into wine, and we saw that night, the very first week we did this Just Do It series, we saw Jesus do signs and miracles. That was the very first sign, the, public, the most first public sign that he ever did in Scripture. And he turned water into wine. And a lot of people get caught up in that water into wine thinking that it gives them permission to drink. We talked about all that that first week. And that's also recorded on podcast. If you want to listen to them again or you have friends that you think these messages might help at school, these are all on our website and all on Spotify whenever we do anything on a Wednesday night for messages. But that very first week, we saw Jesus do signs and miracles by turning that water into wine. But Mary told his servants, if you remember right, what, what did she say? She said, do whatever he tells you. And that's one of the things I want to hang on to this year. That's kind of my theme for myself, and I'd like it to be for our youth group as well. Do whatever he tells you. Now, this is our fourth week in this series, and I'm going to ask you guys to ask yourselves this and allow God to search your heart for just a second. How's it been going since we started this series? Are you doing what he tells you? And like we talked about that very first week, to know what he says, we've got to be in his word. We've got to be reading the Bible because if we're not, we don't have any idea what he tells us to do other than when you come in here on a Wednesday and that would be like eating one meal a week and going home and never eating again for the rest of the week. You would starve to death. And if you're not in God's word weekly, you are starving to death spiritually you're anemic you're you're not strong in in your faith then the second week we talked about do whatever he tells you to do and this idea of just do it is to be born again we need to be born again otherwise we will not see we will not inherit the kingdom of heaven that's the week where jesus and nicodemus the pharisee were talking to each other and we talked about this idea of are you born again because if you're not born again no one jesus says no one will see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. Because remember, we're dead in our sins and trespasses before we give our lives to Christ. And then what happens when we give our lives to Christ and we ask him to forgive us, we're brought from death to life. That's the whole thing is we need to be born again so we can do these things. And then last week we talked about, we'll talk about the second half of this. Last week we talked about the greatest commandment where they were trying to trick Jesus and get him stuck in a corner. And Jesus asked him, what, they asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And he tells them out of scripture, out of Deuteronomy 6, like we talked about last week, we use the word Shema. And the Shema is something, Deuteronomy 6, chapter 6, verse 5, Israel, a good Jew today, still recites the Shema every morning and every night. They recite this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. So that, we looked at part one of that scripture last week. This week, I want to look at part two, love your neighbor as yourself, okay? One of the questions I want you, I want you to talk about this tonight, right away. I'm going to give you a different question here in just a minute. But one of the things that strike me is, which one do you have the most trouble with? Is loving God with all your heart? Is that where you struggle the most? Or is it by loving your neighbor, other people? See, I think personally most people love God easier than we love other people. But I want you guys to get something tonight. I want to make sure I'm very clear on this. To love God, now listen to me, please. Because you guys are being told in the world that this book doesn't count anymore. You're being told by people everywhere that the Bible is just a bunch of stories and a bunch of fables that really don't count for anything more. It's out of touch. It's out of date. You don't need to worry about it. Live your own truth. To love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength 
We've got to believe this book. Because if we don't, if we love him, this is his word to us. We've got to hang on to the Bible. We've got to know it. We've got to read it. We've got to study it. We've got to do what the Bible says. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Have you hidden God's word in your heart? Because the reason why I picked these songs tonight is this. If you got the theme, amazing grace, and by grace you'll lead me home, all these songs use the word grace in them, except for the very first one that talked about empty graves being brought from death to life. And once we're brought from death to life, that's God's grace, unmerited favor. We are saved by grace and grace alone. It's a gift of God that no one should boast, right? But like I constantly try to get across to you guys in this room, there's also a second part of grace. And that second part of grace is an enabling grace, where God enables me to live out what he asks me to do. And that's where grace will lead me home. See, I believe this with all my heart. If you try to do what we're going to talk about in this room, if you'd bring up that slide, Dylan, please. If you're going to do what we're talking about in this room and you try to do it in your own strength, get used to failing. Because you're going to fail over and over and over again, especially when you try to love your neighbor. When you try to love people you don't even like, that's a huge thing for us in our lives. And I really believe we've got to have God's grace. And if we don't understand enabling grace, God giving me, equipping me, helping me to fulfill the commandments that he gives me, I'll never do what he tells me because I'll eventually quit because it's too hard and we fail at it too much and it's too frustrating and we want to walk away from it. And I've let you guys know this before and I'm going to tell you again tonight, I'm going to be beating the same drum over and over and over again. This Christianity is not about trying harder. Yes, we got to put effort into it. And yes, we have things that we have to do to be a Christian, not to be saved, not to make it to heaven, but to live a life for Christ and to bring glory to God. I've got some responsibility in this. He says, you, you, you love me if you do what I what? Command. If you do what I command. There's commandments. There's things in a relationship. My wife and I have a relationship together. And there's things we agree on that we do for one another because we love each other. Not because we have to, but because we want to. And when you get over this idea of I have to do what he tells me to do, no, you get to do what he tells you to do. I want to do what he tells me to do. Why? Because he gave his life for me. He brought me from death to life. He saved me. This is why I want to do this. So tonight when we talk about loving your neighbor, I want you to find grace in this. I want you to find where Jesus talks about how he enables people to live out this life and what we're going to look at, okay? Because we're going to talk about the Good Samaritan tonight. But the very first thing I want you guys to do, because we're going to be talking about helping people tonight. So turn to your tables, turn to your groups for just a moment, and talk about this idea, have you or your parents ever helped a stranger? Someone you don't, you don't know, nobody you know at all. Have you ever helped a stranger or have you ever been helped by a stranger? Talk about that in your groups and we'll move on here in just a second. we can do that okay that's why I picked this verse tonight because I think the story of the good Samaritan Jesus talks about loving your neighbor but he he also shows us and there's four things that I'll drag out of this but first I want to let you guys know what basically what this is is this this is about agape love tonight you're going to see agape love from someone who's who should be um, the last person to do this in a way but agape love basically is this you choose 
to love someone. And when you think about what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross, he chose to love us. We, before we ever even re respond to what Christ has done for us, he made that choice. That's agape love. That sacrificial love is what that is. But what we're going to talk about tonight is we're going to talk about the Good Samaritan story. And it's a parable, but it's a parable that probably has some truth to it. It may not be a true story, but it's a very real story, and it's likely that it happened anyway, okay? Because what you're going to see here from Jerusalem, Jerusalem's up in the mountains, okay? And from Jerusalem down to Jericho is down by the Dead Sea. That's about, let me see if I got my notes right. It's about 15 miles, and it's actually a 3,400-foot drop. So you go from Jerusalem to Jericho, you lose 3,400 feet within about 15 miles. That's a steep hill. And what happens on this hill, that's why this story probably has some truth to it, People are walking back and forth. All the priests from Jerusalem are going down to Jericho to do sacrifices and all this type of thing. But it's a busy road, and they called it the Bloody Way. That's what they called this road because it's so steep, and everybody would go so slow that the thieves could overtake people very easily on this road. Okay, This is why I think Jesus uses this in this part of the story. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the scripture tonight, and then we're going to break it down. I'm going to give you four things real quick to look at that I believe will help us understand how we can do this five-word thing, love your neighbor as yourself, okay? So in uh, Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37, it says this. I'm actually going to read it out of my Bible tonight real quick. I'll read it out of the NIV. This may be a little different than it's on your bulletin, but it's the same story. On one occasion, an expert of the law stood up and, and stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, what must we do to inherit eternal life? I find this interesting because Jesus doesn't really talk about eternal life specifically here. So he answers the question in a roundabout way with another question. Because Jesus asked, and it's actually called, I wrote this down because it's kind of a cool word. Hold on, i got to get back to my scripture here. Socratic method is what this is called. And when you watch Jesus, he does this a lot. He will answer a question with a question. And that's what he does here. Because this guy asks, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And that's a good question. There's nothing wrong with the question, but his motive is bad again. Remember when we talked about this last week, how we can go to God with any question we have. It's our motive or it's our heart that makes the difference. And that's what you see here again tonight. So Jesus says this, what is written in the law? This guy replied, and he replied, and how do you read it? And he answered, the, the expert in the law answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Pause. That scripture is found in Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 5 and also Leviticus chapter 19. So these are Old Testament scriptures that these guys are quoting back and forth to each other. And that's why Jesus says you have answered correctly because it comes out of the Old Testament. Jesus replied, do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, that being the expert in the law. And he, so he asked Jesus, okay, who's my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to this place, saw him and passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was and saw him and he took pity on him or had compassion for him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on, on oil and wine. 
And then he put him on his, donk on his own donkey, brought him to the inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave, gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you if there are any extra expenses you may have. So Jesus turns to the expert in the law and he says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. There's four things that I want you guys to see tonight that I think make a lot of difference in this scripture. And I'll be bouncing back and forth out of scripture. The very first thing you see is if you look at your bulletin is you got to make a choice. This guy made a choice to stop and help the guy who, and I'll get into what all that's about here in just a little bit. He made a choice to stop and help someone. We've got to make a choice in our lives, you guys, that we're going to be people of compassion. We're going to be people that help other people. Our, and, and what I wrote down on that first point is our love for people, now hear this, okay? Our love for people is dependent upon our love for God. And our love for God is proved out by our love for people. I'm going to read that again because I really want you guys to get this because I think it correlates one with the other. Our love for people is dependent upon our love for God. So how much I love God is how much I'm going to learn to love other people because I've got his heart. See, when I'm saved, I get the heart of Christ. I have the mind and the heart of Christ. So if I've got the mind and the heart of Christ, if I love him, God will speak to my heart and say, this is how you love other people. But if I don't have that love for God, I don't have love for other people because I don't understand that. You guys... The essence, one of the essence of God is love. He is love. And that's what we've got to get our arms around. And if we don't love him, we don't receive that same love, we're not going to love other people. The golden rule is this, in Matthew 7, 12. So in everything, in what? In everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. And remember what he said last week? These two great commandments sum up all the law and the prophets, right? So captured in that same thing as a golden rule. When I was in Vietnam smuggling in Bibles with Pat Klein, I learned, and I, I, I struck me because I, I, I didn't, remember, I don't think I knew this at the time. <clears throat> Everybody in Vietnam was just nice. I mean, people's traffic, they're going everywhere. There's, there's like, Americans would be road rage everywhere. If somebody cuts in front of you, we're wanting to let them have it, right? But in Vietnam, I'm not exaggerating. There's lanes and there's traffic patterns, but people are going everywhere. If, if I'm in this lane and I want to turn that way and I'm over there, he just cuts people off. And there's absolutely no road rage. None. They're not flipping each other the bird. They're not dog cussing each other off their mopeds and out their windows. Nothing. And there's a reason for that. See, the golden rule is do unto others as you would have them do unto you to the glory of God. There's a thing in the world called a silver rule. And the silver rule is this, do unto others so bad things don't happen to you. Because they believe in karma, and if I die and I've been mean on this side and I die, I'm going to come back as something punished. Make sense? So their silver rule is do unto others so bad stuff doesn't happen to you. We don't look at it that way. We do unto others because it brings God glory. Because if I love God, I'm going to treat others as I would myself. That's the golden rule. We cannot love this way unless our hearts are pure and unless we have a single-minded effort and a mind towards God to where nothing else matters, it's just me and God. And you will get there if you, if you live this way. Jesus says it this way, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must 
So you must love one another. He's talking to his disciples here. And he says, again, I mentioned this earlier in John 15, 14. You are my friends if you do what I command. Think about your friendships. If your friends weren't nice to you and cooperated with you, would they be your friends? See, we can be hard on Jesus. We can go, yeah, but that's kind of harsh. No, think about your friends. If your friends were not heads and they were mean to you and they didn't do anything you asked them to do, how long would they be your friend? Not very long, I'm guessing. So it's the same thing here. The second thing you see here is demonstrate compassion. We talked about this last week. For God so loved the world. Remember when he says, this is how God demonstrates his own love for us? God demonstrates his love for us while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And we talked about this last week. How do you demonstrate your love for God? Here's how I believe you do that, by loving other people. The Samaritan showed the stranger compassion. Compassion is love's emotional response to someone in need. I want to say that again. Compassion is love's emotional response to someone in need. Because this guy didn't just sympathize with the guy on the road. He didn't just feel bad for him. He actually had empathy. And empathy is to start to understand what that guy's going through. And he probably saw this before. And who knows? This guy may have been attacked by robbers on this road before. So he knew exactly what this was like. He didn't just have sympathy. It's one thing to have sympathy on someone. But it's another thing to have empathy and enter into that conversation yourself. And then have compassion on them. And compassion has action hooked to it. If I'm going to be compassionate to someone, I'm going to do something. Or as another verse says, or another translation will say, have pity on them. So we got to make sure that we're doing that because in 1 Peter 3.8, it says this. Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic and love as brothers and be compassionate and humble towards each other. So this guy showed compassion. Now watch. The priest come down the road and he went to the other side. The priest, to me, in this story, represents the religious sect. It's not about a relationship. It's about religion for him. And the priest should have known better. The priest, of all people, should have went over and had compassion on this guy, shouldn't he? Wouldn't you like to think that you would go and have compassion on this guy? He's laying over there, and not only did he, he it's not even that he didn't notice him. He crossed to the other side of the road. It wasn't even like he's walking down the road, and he sees this guy coming up, and he's like, ha, I don't have time for this. I'm sure that was part of it because he was probably headed either to Jericho or Jerusalem to do God's work. So he didn't only just ignore this guy. He crossed to the other side of the road. And that's something I would encourage you guys never do. The Levite comes along and the Levite knew the law. The Levite would represent legalism in my mind. And the Levite saw him and you would think one of these two guys would have compassion on this guy. At least stop and check on him because you know why? Because he was a Jew. Hang on to that. The guy on the side of the road was a Jew. And these guys were Jews. The priests and the Levites, they were Jews. It was their own people. And they turned on them. The Samaritan comes along and he shows compassion on the guy. I don't know how to get this across to you guys that well. The Samaritans and the Jews hated each other. Deep deep vein of hate you think there's hate in the world today between different races no the samaritans basically married people outside of the jewish faith and they had their own some of their own traditions and their own faith walk so the jews hated him remember the story of the woman at the well when jesus went he met the woman at the well the the disciples were like we shouldn't go through there because we got to go through samaria 
And they wouldn't even, they would go around. They would go be, be like going to Moorcroft via Broadus, Montana to get around, to get around any, any place that might be of Samaria or one of the Samaritans were out there. They were considered half-breeds is what they were. So think about this for a second. Picture this in your mind. You're the Samaritan and you're on a journey, which I'll talk about in just a couple minutes. And you're walking along the road and you see this Jew there. And all of a sudden you look over at this guy. You hate this person because of who they represent. You think about this. Think about the one kid at school that if you had to help him, there's no way you would help him or her. Put yourself in the position of scripture here for just a second, if you would. This guy's walking along, and he's on a journey, it says, and he looks and he sees this guy, and he's got to be thinking to himself, man, I'm not helping this guy. But for whatever reason, this guy showed compassion on him. And watch this. I love this picture, because the Jew had to let him help. The Jew laying there on the ground could have pitched a fit and could have told him to get away, but he didn't. And this guy walks over to this Jew, and not only does he just help him up on the donkey, but it says before he did that, he had to do this. And this, and call me crazy, but this is how my mind works. I see this dude laying alongside the road, and I watch this Samaritan come up, and he's got his donkey here, and he gets on his donkey, and he pulls out a jug of oil and a jug of wine, and he starts to tend to this guy. And this guy, they had to look at each other, and when they looked at each other, it had to be absolute disdain for one another. But this guy, this Samaritan, helped this Jew, and he poured oil, which was to soothe the wounds, and wine, again, wine is used for a lot of different things. He poured wine on his wounds to keep him from being infected. And then he had to touch this guy, and the Jew had to allow the Samaritan to touch him. That's how deep this vein ran of hate that these guys had for one another. And he helped him up, and he put him on his donkey, and he took him into an inn. That's compassion. Would you be willing to do that? I mean, think about this, you guys. This is, not, this is not an easy scripture to get your arms around. I don't know. I'd like to think I would. But, I mean, this is something that these two, they, these two races hated one another. But this guy had compassion on him, and he went ahead and he helped him anyway. One of the questions on your paper tonight is, how well do you love the unlovable or the unlikable? How nice are you to people at school that you can't stand? It's loving your neighbor. And remember, without God's grace, we can't. If you have compassion, may it cause you to act by love, act in love by meeting another person's needs. 1 John 3, uh, chapter 3, verse 18 says this. Dear children, let, not merely, let us not merely say to each other that we love each other. Let us show it by our truth and by our actions. If you really love someone, your compassion is going to cause you to act. Your love for them is going to cause you to act. Your love for God is going to cause you to love your neighbor as yourself. Because wouldn't you want help? If you Imagine the guy on the road, you guys. His own people, two of them, crossed over the other side and kept walking. His own people. Love, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And I believe everybody in this room would want somebody to come along and help them, wouldn't you? So may your, may your compassion cause you to act in love by meeting another person's needs. James 2, 15 through 16 says this when he talks about faith without works is dead. It says, how dare you say, if you see someone who no clothes and is hungry, and you just say, good luck, I'm paraphrasing, good luck, have a great day, hope things go well for you, stay warm and stay well fed, see ya. James says, that's faith without works. And that faith is dead. 
That's how important this is in Scripture, you guys, to love one another. The third thing is they paid the cost. The, Samar the Samaritan spent his own money to take care of this man. Now, I want you guys to realize this. I've been thinking a lot about this because you guys are high school students, right? You guys don't have a lot of money falling out of your pocket, right? You don't have to be wealthy to do this. This is not about the amount of money that you have in your pocket because it doesn't say this guy was loaded. It doesn't say he was rich. It probably cost him everything that he had. He probably gave to help this guy out of his poverty. Are you willing to do that as people? Are you willing to do that as Christians? You can give of your time and your talents and your treasures, but do not do it with a sour heart. Do it cheerfully. Do it like it matters. Because you could actually watch this. When you look at someone who's lonely or hurt or discouraged, not everybody bleeds on the outside. There's a lot of kids in your school that are bleeding on the inside. And I genuinely believe that I spend two days a week in the high schools doing FCA. And I watch kids walk in the hallways and you can look into their eyes and you can see the hurt and the despair and the discouragement and they're lost. And sometimes just a nod, hey, how's it going? Recognizing just the recognition of they're alive. Because I remember Dan Canoose when he was in high school, myself, walking the halls. All I wanted to do was get to, from one room to the next without anybody noticing me. I can't even imagine if one of you guys would have come up and said, hey, how's it going? Just to reach out, just to be kind, just to smile at someone and to give them a nod and say hello and give an encouraging word, whatever it is. See, to do this, this, is good. You're, this will cost you. To live a life of compassion and to take care of someone will cost you. And it's not always going to cost you just money, you guys. It, this is probably a really bad way to put it because I don't have much of it. It's going to cost you your cool at times. You being cool at school and thinking you got it going on, it's going to cost you. Because to do this, you're going to have to take your cool and set it aside. And say, my reputation at school doesn't matter as much as I love God. And what I'm doing as a Christian matters way more than what somebody else thinks of me. And listen to me. Even Dan Canoose, the biggest dork in probably West High High School in Billings, Montana, was me. And I still thought I had cool. I don't care who you are or how cool you think you are or aren't. Everybody thinks they got a level of cool because we like ourselves that much. But are you willing to set your, are you willing to set your reputation aside in front of your friends and classmates and peers at school to honor God because it's going to cost you. There's a high cost to caring for someone, but here's what I know. Jesus paid a high price because he loved you. Are you willing to pay a high price because you love someone else? Those are the questions you've got to ask yourself. Here's what I would ask you. Are you willing to sacrifice your life for others? Are you willing to sacrifice your life for others. It's easy in here to say yes, but when the time comes, without God's grace, you're not going to do it. You've got to make sure that you're leaning on God to do these kind of things. Mark 8.36 says this, and what, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world? You hang on to everything you want, but you lose your soul because you're not loving your neighbor as yourself. It's going to cost you your time. And I'll wrap it up and I'll move to the last point with this. There's never going to be a convenient time to love God and serve him and serve others. Never. You're always going to be too busy to do it. You're always going to have somewhere else you have to be. When something else like this comes up, you got somewhere else. I know I would love to help you. The priest probably would love to help you. i got to get down there and i got to do God's work. There's never going to be a good time for you to serve God. 
So you're going to have to sacrifice sports, school, friends, parties, time, money, talents. Are you willing to do it? And why do we do it? Because Christ did it for us. He did it for me. Here's what I would tell you guys. Just live your life for God, and God will show you what to do. I promise the Holy Spirit of God is more than faithful whenever these times come up to go, Psst, here's what I want you to do. And then you got to be willing to do it. And the last thing is this. Make a commitment, you guys. The Samaritan made a commitment to return and help. If, if, any, if this guy needed anything else, he was going to help by returning and, and giving the guy more money at the end and making sure he was taken care of. Make a commitment that you're going to do this. And to make, make a commitment to do this. Look at me, everybody, look. Make a commitment to do this. Promise me this, that you'll just, when God prompts you, you'll just obey. Because we don't know when these times are going to come. But when God prompts you, just do what he asks you to do. My example is Matthew 4.19. I got this bracelet on tonight, a bunch of fishing swivels on here, right? My example is this. Matthew 4.19 says Jesus was walking down the beach. Andrew and James were, or Andrew and Peter were in the boat, and they were casting nets because they were fishermen. And Jesus says, hey, you guys come follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And it says they immediately got out of the boat and followed him. When God lays something on your heart, are you willing to immediately be obedient to what he tells you to do? Man, that's a great way to live. I told somebody the other day, on my tombstone, long from now, I hope, when God takes me to heaven, on my tombstone, I wanted to say he was obedient to Christ. That's it. Obedience to me is everything when it comes to my relationship with God. Because I want to be immediately obedient. When he says to do something, just do it. Seek out your neighbor. It could be the person sitting next to your classroom. Look, I'll, I'll close with this, and I'll let you guys get to your small group. Anybody who's played basketball, you're taught to dribble the ball. Andrew, you're a basketball player, right? You're taught to dribble the ball like this, aren't you? Look down at the floor, watch them. No, you're taught to what? Keep your eyes up. When you're dribbling the ball, keep your eyes up. When you're dribbling the ball down the court, why? Because you can see the floor. You can see what's going on. When you're walking the halls in school, are you dribbling the ball with your eyes up? Looking at other students, seeking other people out, and looking into their eyes and seeing how lost they are, just walking up and going, hey, man, I just hope you have a great day. I'm praying for you. Just want to let you know, Silas, I'm praying for you. You'll do that if you dribble the ball walking, down li walking through life with your eyes up. Because God will show you. If you're dribbling the ball like this with your eyes down, you're missing it. You're, you're missing what God has for you to be a part of. Do the right thing for the right reason. Matthew 25, 40 says this. Then the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. Do the right thing for the right reason. You love your neighbor as yourself because it brings glory to God and because we love God. Turn to your small groups, visit for a while, and then we'll close up here in a minute. Bring up that last slide for me, if you would, please. So here's the question I asked you guys last week. How do you demonstrate your love to God? God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I believe how we demonstrate our love for God is we love our neighbors. Because Jesus, at the end of this, says, go and do likewise. And look at that cross that I've got up there. This is not a shock to some of you. Loving God is a vertical thing. But when you look at the rest of that cross, loving God is horizontal, or loving others is horizontal. So when you look at the cross, I want you to always remember that vertically we love God with all of our hearts, with all of our soul, mind, and strength. And when you look at the horizontal, when you look at the landscape of the world, we're loving others. Why? Because we love God with all of our heart. And I really believe that's how we do this. So when you want to know how you demonstrate your love for God, that's how you do it. I got a video we're going to play. You guys all know the song. 
I just like the song is why we're doing it tonight in a way. But I want you guys to watch the video, watch the words, and ask yourselves, is how much I love God correlate how much I love my neighbor? Because I really believe they play together in the same role. Dylan, an easy scripture. This is one of the hardest things I believe we'll ever do in our lives is to love our neighbor as ourselves. And you got to remember it's by God's grace that we do it. It's by God's grace and to his glory that we do this, even when we're hated. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. He gave his son to a world that would spit on him, reject him, hate him, deny him, but yet he gave. So no matter how people respond to you, we do it for God's glory and we do it by his grace. And I'm praying that this youth group, when you guys walk the halls of school, they'll know you're Christians because you love one another. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you're good. I'm grateful, Lord, for your word, even though it's hard. And this is a hard scripture, Lord. It's hard in a manner of we can't help everybody. And you know that. So I do believe, Lord, that you'll prompt us to help the ones that you want us to. And we've got to remember, this is all about washing other people's feet. And Jesus says, now that I have set this example for you, you will be blessed if you do this. So Lord, when we reach out, when we feel your prompting and we reach out to someone to help, whether they slap our hand or whether they receive our help makes no difference. It's whether we're going to be obedient to your prompting that you lay upon our hearts. Help us to do that, Lord. Help us to be immediately obedient when you speak to us because then we'll realize it's by your grace, by your enabling grace that we're able to live these things out. And no matter how that other person responds, we do it to your glory. We're doing the right thing. Then we're loving our neighbor as ourself, even when they don't receive it. But when they do, praise your name, Lord. So Father, we love you. Thank you. Pray for your help in, the, in regards to doing this because we want to stick with that scripture that says, do whatever he tells you. That's the type of people we want to be. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Love you guys. You're dismissed. Remember Thunder Basin High School tomorrow during lunch. FCA, have a great night, everyone.